Amen. As you take your seat, James chapter 5. James chapter 5 is where we'll be today. We've got this week and then two more weeks in James. And uh, there's some hard messages in this book. And and today is, I think, going to be the last one. The next two are are a little bit easier on us, I think. But I hope you came prepared today. But uh, James chapter 5, 1 through 6. And uh, right after Labor Day, we begin a new series it's going to be a, a little shorter series, and uh, it's going to be focused on small groups. And as we launch coming out of Labor Day, our, our life group fall schedule, um, just a lot of things happening coming in September and beyond. And uh, so I'm excited about that series. So make plans to be here for that. But James chapter 5, 1 through 6, but I want to begin here. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God, says Proverbs 30. When it comes to treasure on earth, resources, assets, investments, Father God, make us content, no matter our lot, that our hearts might belong to you, the treasure in heaven, and not the treasure of the earth. All we need is you, Lord, is you, Lord. This here is uh, Forrest Finn. Forrest Finn was an art dealer and author, and he was a very successful art dealer and author. Forrest Finn was wealthy, established, and rich in any sense of the word, at least according to worldly standards. In 2010, Forrest Finn decided he would initiate a modern-day treasure hunt. He took a treasure chest a 10-inch by 10-inch by 5-inch box featuring a bronze construction with a wood liner and a locking front clasp. And inside that box, Forrest Finn put gold and jewels, a total estimated worth of more than $1 million. Forrest Finn then took that box of treasure and quite literally hid it somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. Soon after hiding the treasure, he published a memoir called The Thrill of the Chase, which included a mysterious 24-line poem that if you solved the poem, it would lead you directly to the box of treasure. After the memoir was published, The hidden treasure announced the search was on. And some of you might have seen this in the news. Because many thousands of people went out and began pursuing this treasure, hoping desperately to find it, believing perhaps that contentment and peace and joy, fulfillment, would come when they found the treasure. For that's what we're all after. Contentment, peace, joy, 
fulfillment. So as one person said, the treasure seekers would define the clues in the poem as they wanted. Then they would decide their own paths to finding Finn's treasure. And then they would plot their way to their hopeful destination in the Rocky Mountains. Year after year this went on. Mile after mile, hike after hike. They ventured to and fro in search of the treasure. The person went on to say that some were fortunate locals and they stayed close to home. Others traveled from afar to scour the states of New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, and Montana. Many searched in multiple states. Some of them would start in New Mexico and then go on to Montana or vice versa. And then they would stop at any number of seemingly special places in between. News sources estimated over 300,000 people searched for the treasure, looking for Finn's hidden box full of gold. Some people even gave their lives. At least five people died in the process of pursuing the treasure, which prompted a New Mexico state police chief in 2017 to urge Mr. Finn to stop the hunt, saying that people were putting their lives at risk. All of this for hidden treasure. So much tension and pressure and desire for so many had invested and sacrificed so much for this hidden treasure. But all of this, it led to anger among many, suspicion at times. There was lying that went on, cheating, Stealing, lawsuits developed. Yes, people were willing to drag another to the courts. And again, there was loss of life. Lives destroyed. You might say it was more like torment than fulfillment. All for this hidden treasure in a box. And one can't help but think that that is the picture of our world. Everyone chasing, everyone pursuing this treasure on earth. Riches galore. Some pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Some hidden treasure in a box. Some promised happily ever after just beyond the fog that they just can't ever seem to ever get to. Falsely believing that contentment and peace and joy, fulfillment will come if they could just find the treasure on earth. And the desire to obtain the riches, the wealth, the treasure, the tension and pressure, the desire is so strong that the world is willing to lie and cheat and steal, to drag another to the courts, to destroy, maybe even kill another, just to find, just to take hold of that treasure. And while this might be the picture of our world, this love of money, which is the root of all sorts of evil, James is warning us, warning, warning, warning. That better not be the picture of the church. It cannot be the picture of brothers and sisters who profess allegiance and loyalty to Jesus, the treasure in heaven. This is what James says, James chapter 5, verse 1. He says, now listen, you rich people. It's the same starting that he had at the end of chapter 4 that we looked at two weeks ago. It's another warning here to the rich. 
Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you, the torment. Verse 2, your wealth has rotted. Moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Again, this idea of torment. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages that you fail to pay the workers who mowed your fields, they are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty, just like the enslaved Israelites in Egypt. Their cries reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Verse 5, you've lived on earth in luxury, a hot pursuit of more, 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 and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one, the righteous ones, those who were not opposing you, those who could not even oppose you. So what is James saying? Well, James is not saying, hey, don't save money. He's not saying, hey, don't have investments. He's not saying, hey, don't plan for tomorrow. He's not saying don't plan anything with the resources or assets or investments that God gives you. He's not saying that having these things is bad or wrong or immoral. Actually, overall, Old Testament and New Testament, Scripture teaches we ought to save. We ought to invest. We ought to plan and be prepared. We ought to be good stewards of everything God gives us. We are possessors, not owners. And he expects us to handle all that he gives us wisely. As Jesus says, be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Especially when it comes to earthly treasure, resources, assets, investments that you have. So James is not saying, hey, don't save, don't plan, be childish with what God gives you. Nor is he condemning the rich for being rich. That's not what he's saying. That's not what he's getting at. What James is saying is you better not give your hearts to treasure on earth. Whether in your pursuit of it or your possession of it. Don't give your hearts to treasure on earth. Now he mentions three areas under the umbrella of the rich. Resources, assets, and investments. Resources, this word that he uses for wealth, it more carries this idea of just cash on hand. This is the resources that I might have at my disposal. What's in my bank account? What do I have immediate access to? What are my resources when it comes to cash? Then he mentions assets, clothes. The items or materials that I possess. Could be clothes, could be your house, could be your car, could be your land, your assets. But then he mentions investments also. This idea of gold and silver corroding. 
This idea of it just sitting there, it's like a bloated investment account that's pointless. It's not going anywhere. It's just sitting there, useless. So he mentions resources, assets, and investments, and he's in essence saying, you better not give your heart to them. It doesn't matter how much you have of those things. You better not give your heart to them, your heart, your loyalty, and devotion. These things had better not belong to your resources, your assets, or investments, or the idea of them, or the dream of them, or the belief of them somehow being that which will give you your fulfillment. This is how the world thinks. This is how the world lives. So in essence, you better not give your hearts to earthly treasure. Why? Well, two reasons. Number one, if you give your heart to them, it will lead to torment, misery, now and in the future. It'll lead you to lie and cheat and steal, to be miserable, always chasing, never finding, always wanting, never having. So you steal and you hoard and you grow bloated with your resources, assets, and investments. It will lead to torment now and in the future. But reason number two, because all of them will, regardless of what you think, regardless of how you plan, regardless of what you do, and you can do it all right, all of them will eventually rot, ruin, and rust. All of them. He uses words like rotted or corroded or having been eaten. They will rot, ruin, and rust. And even now, they are rotting, ruining, and rusting. Meaning, at some point in time, all of them will be gone. Proving them not to be the God we sometimes think them to be. Proving that they will never, nor can they ever, bring true everlasting fulfillment, only a mirage, an illusion of fulfillment that in the end leads only to torment if we give our hearts to them. So James is saying we better not give our hearts to earthly treasure. That's what unbelievers do. That's what the world does. Because it only leads to a vain pursuit of fulfillment. It only leads to torment now and in the future, to an everlasting reality away from God's. And James is merely echoing what Jesus taught. Like Jesus, James is condemning, as one person said, blinding materialism and the love and devotion towards that materialism that, reads, that leads the rich and powerful to disregard God and his will for us. In Luke chapter 16, we read about a story in which Jesus told about a rich man and a guy by the name of Lazarus. People debate whether or not this is a parable or a true story. But he tells this story about a rich man and Lazarus. And every day, Lazarus was brought to the gate of this rich man. Lazarus was broken financially. He was broken physically. Somebody literally had to carry him. And he was broken socially. It's a pitiful scene that Jesus paints. Dogs are coming to lick his wounds. He's just hoping that some crumbs fall from the rich man's table, that he can have something to eat. And so 
pre-death, it looks like Lazarus is in torment. The rich man, on the other hand, has all the resources, all the assets, and all the investments you could ever imagine. He's full of luxury and self-indulgence. He has multiple houses, multiple cars, multiple properties. He has all the clothes that you could possibly imagine. He has everything. Seemingly, this side of death, he has fulfillment. But then death comes in the story. The death, the great equalizer. Death comes, and on the other side of eternity, the tables have been flipped. The roles reversed. Lazarus is an eternal fulfillment. The rich man is an eternal torment. Jesus' point in telling the story had nothing to do with the amount of material possessions, wealth, money, or the lack thereof. It had nothing to do with the resources, assets, or investments that one might possess in this life. It had everything to do with the heart. How do we know that? Because in Luke chapter 16, Luke tells us, we're told that the Pharisees, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, were in that crowd listening to Jesus' words, and they were sneering at him. Why? Because they were lovers of money. Their hearts, their loyalty, their devotion, their pursuit in life was to their resources, assets, and investments. Though on the outside, they looked like they were righteous. The inside, they were dead. Pursuing only earthly treasure. And in that context, Jesus was saying, you can't be like them. You cannot be lovers of God and lovers of money. Literally, it's impossible. Wait, Jesus, what do you mean? He says, listen, nobody, nobody can serve two masters. Why? Because either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It doesn't matter how much any of it that we have. We cannot pursue God, heavenly treasure, as a master of our lives, while also pursuing earthly treasure as the master of our lives. We have to choose. Whom do we love? Whom are we devoted to? Whom are we pursuing? Where does our heart really lie? As Jesus said elsewhere, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You must choose. God or money, money or God, treasure from heaven, the treasure in heaven, or treasure on earth. You say, well, so how do I know then where my heart is? Well, James, in essence, answers it in this passage. You'll know where your heart is by how you perceive or view your resources, your assets, your investments, whatever those are. Do you see yourself as owner or possessor? And... You will know where your heart is by how you ultimately use the resources, assets, and investments that God has entrusted to you 
by how you ultimately use those to serve God and to serve others. Lovers of money, they lie, they cheat, they steal, they hoard, they overly consume and indulge while living with hearts far from God, hearts far from people. Their life is defined by the pursuit of more resources, more assets, more investments, more luxury, more indulgences, and not God. Lovers of God, on the other hand, are humble, content, and they use whatever God gives them, whether it's hundreds of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars, to be good stewards. Their life is about the pursuit of Jesus, loving God and loving others just as he loved us. So James is warning us, choose wisely. You better not give your hearts to earthly treasure. Because if you give your heart to them, it'll lead to torment, not fulfillment. Always chasing, never finding, always wanting, never having. And because all of them will, regardless of what we do, think, or say, all of them will rot, ruin, and rust. All of them at some point will be gone. So you better not give your hearts to them as your gods. Give your hearts to Jesus. Stephanie and I, a few years back, we went to this pizza place here that you can see on the screen. This pizza place was beside the beach. And you can kind of see the second story of this pizza place. You could sit at the, the tables and literally look out on the ocean. Literally, this picture right here that you're seeing is us sitting at that table. This was our view at this pizza place. The pizza was brilliant. The view was spectacular and beautiful. This is a well-known pizza place in that area. And we loved every minute of it. It was a great time and moment. Well, that pizza place was located on Front Street in Lahaina, Maui. And if you didn't know, this is what Front Street, including the Lahaina Pizza Company, looks like now. And here's another one. That's Front Street. In the matter of minutes, hours, gone. As one person said, riches can come to nothing in a day. Lives were lost, billions of dollars lost. All that beauty, all that brilliance, all that treasure, so to speak, turned into ashes as though it never were. All of a our resources, assets, and investments are and will rot, ruin, and rust. It's fleeting. This is James's point. One day it'll be gone, no matter how beautiful, no matter how brilliant and spectacular. It can even be gone tomorrow. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter our 
bank account. It doesn't matter our plans. It doesn't matter our investments or our buildings or our houses or our cars, whatever it is we have or don't have. We better make sure our heart doesn't belong to treasure on earth. And somehow, some way, even if, as the psalmist writes, even if your riches increase, you better not set your heart on them. Because as Jesus would expound, you can't have two masters. So you better choose wisely. You better choose Jesus, the treasure in heaven. You better pursue Jesus. You better be devoted to Jesus. You better allow Jesus to be the master of your life. Because all that earthly treasure and the pursuit of it, if you give your heart to it, it'll only lead to torment now and in the future, not fulfillment. You will find it gone in a matter of moments, seconds. So again, our prayer should be, as the author of this Proverbs writes, give me neither poverty nor riches. Just give me my daily bread. Just help me to be content, Lord. Otherwise, I may have too much wealth and disown you and say, well, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and I might steal and then dishonor the name of my God. When it comes to treasure on earth, resources, assets, investments, Father God, help us to be content. No matter our lot, May our hearts belong to you, the treasure in heaven, and not the treasures of the earth. All we need is you, Lord. It's you, Lord. You know, it's interesting. If you go back to Forrest Finn's treasure chest, it looks like this. It was found, by the way, 10 years after he hit it. A guy by the name of Jack found it. Not this Jack, by the way. Yeah. The chest... Features scenes with knights on it. I'm not sure if you can see it in the picture, but inscribed onto this box are scenes where there's knights literally scaling the walls of a castle on ladders. And at the top of the castle are these maidens who are throwing flowers down upon these guys. The style of work, according to some people, appears to be references to the Le Roman de la Rose poem. It's a poem about the pursuit of love and scaling the castle of love. When I heard this and I saw it, I thought, how ironic. Because I couldn't help but think of the many thousands pursuing and searching for this hidden treasure in a box, ultimately their love. Scaling the mountains just to find it. Those five who gave their lives, quite literally pursuing this love, seeking to scale the castle in order just to take possession of a box of earthly, rotting treasure. And that's their legacy. How tragic. And so is the fate of so many in our world and unbelievers dying in the pursuit of earthly treasure, tormented, left for them. Earthly treasure, their love. The question is, what James would present to us is what will our legacy be? When we die, and we will die, when we die, death, that great equalizer, will people say that we died pursuing a box of earthly treasure and that that was our love? 
Or will they say that we died pursuing the living Jesus, the treasure in heaven, he, our love? Choose wisely, James would say, because one pursuit brings torment. The other brings fulfillment. One pursuit stands forever. The other is fleeting. And that's our warning. But I want to finish with just reading these two scriptures. One from Jesus, one from Paul. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust they destroy, where thieves they break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But godliness, Paul told Timothy, with contentment is great gain. See, we brought nothing into the world. We cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, our daily bread, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich, those who love the idea of it, will fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. In other words, torment. For the love of money, earthly treasure, it's a root of all kinds of evils. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of gods, or people of God, flee these things, run away from them. And later Paul says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, proud, arrogant, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but to set their hopes on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, There to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite the team forward. We're going to have a time of response And for some of us, if we're being honest, we've been pursuing the things of the world and not God. We've been haughty in that pursuit, arrogant in that pursuit, and all it's producing is torment in relationships and dispositions and situations. May we recognize the true treasure, and that treasure is in heaven. And may we not lay up treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. May we pursue Jesus above and before anything and everyone else, regardless of what our resources, assets, investments are. doesn't matter. Father God, help us to be content. Lovers of you and lovers of others. Simply call to be stewards of what you've entrusted with us. So for some of us, it's repentance we need. For some of us, it's just a time of prayer. For some of us, 
We've been pursuing the world and things of the world our entire lives. We've never pursued Jesus. Salvation comes from nobody else but Jesus. He calls you to him. To deny yourself, pick up your cross, come follow him. To repent, to believe. He's calling you today by name. He knows everything you've ever done, said, thought. And he loves you. And he laid down his life for you. And he's calling you into a new relationship with him. For others of us, maybe it's falling through in the obedience of baptism to declare to the world and to the church, our master is Jesus. We've died to self and been raised in a new life to walk with him. During this time, Weston and I are going to be down here. Even as I pray, if you want to come down, you come down. Even as I pray, whatever the Lord is leading you to do. Father, we thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. You own all things. This creation is yours. Lord, help us not to pursue the blessings, but to pursue the one who has blessed us. Regardless of our lot, it doesn't matter. Father, help us to be content in all things and in everything. Help us to pursue you, to lay up treasure in heaven. Help Jesus be the one we pursue and are devoted to, the one we love. Lord, bring us to conviction, repentance, renewal, whatever is needed. Bring it here in this moment. And may you be glorified in all of it. In Jesus' name I pray. And ask that you stand with us. We're going to be down here. During this time, you come if you need to.